Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And we usually open the show with some quick, lighthearted banter, something a little different this week, as we open with a clarification, bordering on a correction. On his Behind the Bets podcast this week, Doug Kazarian took to task some of the reporting and analysis of his NFL draft prop bet. And we were one of the targets there, having trusted some slightly off interpretations in the articles we read and then made some slightly off assumptions of our own. Some of it had to do with speculation about whether Doug being a public facing ESPN figure helped him get paid. Some of it had to do with him betting at the kiosks in small increments because he had to, not by choice. Doug broke it down in his own words on his podcast Tuesday. I recommend checking that out if any of our listeners want to hear him explain how it all went down. I'll say that the one thing I regret is using the word shady to describe how Doug placed the bets. I meant it more in the sense of crafty, but nevertheless, I did say the word shady. So I will retract that. Um, Anyway, not a huge deal. I have it on good authority from Doug himself, that he's not pissed at us. He just objected to the way we presented it. John, anything you said that you feel you need to take back or reword, or is this all on me and you consider yourself in the clear? Uh, Well, yeah, I didn't hear from Doug. So uh, let's see, uh, open bracket, awkward silence, closed bracket. uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, Now, one thing I was glad to hear on that podcast was that after I noted that I, I was sure these bets would not be cashable in Europe, but I was sure they would be in New Jersey. I just wasn't sure regarding Nevada. And, you know, Doug and his podcast partner explained really well that anybody who made those bets uh, would be a winner there as well. So I want to point that out and uh, and uh, kudos to Nevada for that. Uh, and I'm glad you brought this up anyway, in general, because uh, we want to get things right, but we aren't perfect. So sometimes it takes us just more than one try. That's all. Yeah, there you go. And I'll just add this. If I ever win $300,000 on a sports bet, people can get the story as wrong as they want. As long as the money shows up in my account, I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, Doug's good too. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 145 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 144 episodes, they're all available on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But if you're going to listen back to those previous episodes, maybe skip the Doug Kazarian segment on episode 144. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. We assure you, we get it right. 
most of the time. Yeah, and Eric, coming up a little later on the show, we're going to be joined by Dave Sharapan, known to many as the Sportsbook Consigliere. He's a longtime bookmaker and now talks about sports betting on various platforms, including the Sports Handle podcast, Get a Grip. We're going to ask Dave how he got into bookmaking, his thoughts on the good, the bad, and, well, the ugly of sports betting expansion, and how many wins his Pittsburgh Pirates are really headed for this year. But first, it's been a, well, a short week in the world of gambling developments, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We're going to work our way across the United States in the news segment this week, from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean and all points in between. And we start with a story spanning from the Eastern Time Zone to the Pacific Time Zone, centered on America's gambling capital and America's runner-up gambling capital. With Nevada's April revenue and handle numbers released last Thursday, it is now official. New Jersey has overtaken Nevada in total betting handle since PASPA was overturned three years ago. New Jersey is now at a shade over $15 billion in bets post-PASPA, while Nevada sits a shade under $15 billion. And this was inevitable uh, with the larger population in New Jersey, with New Yorkers still coming across the border to bet, and with mobile betting making it so easy in Jersey. Uh, they do have mobile betting in Nevada, too, but it requires in-person registration. With all these factors, New Jersey hasn't lost a month to Nevada since December 2019 and has now accumulated more handle over these past three years. Interestingly, for the first time in April, my state, Pennsylvania, beat Nevada in handle too. Uh, but this news item isn't about my state. It's about yours, John. Uh, what's it like to be a resident of the new sports betting capital of America? And is this a faster power shift than you might have guessed three years ago? Well, this is a little awkward too. Uh, usually it's New York taking credit from away from New Jersey things like the football giants, the football jets, the Statue of Liberty, and, and so on. Uh, but here I'd be... New Jersey taking credit away from New York, and I want to be the bigger man or, or state or, or both. Um, look, something like 20% of the handle in New Jersey is made by New York residents, mostly from New York City, of course. Uh, now, by the fall of 2022, that will change, assuming New York is still not mired at legal battles by spurned suitors for their mobile sports betting. So while New Jersey may be ahead of Nevada now, uh, New York and, frankly, your Pennsylvania are gunning for them. Uh, New Jersey is really like Ireland in the Soccer World Cup qualifying, as I know all too well. Uh, we punch above our weight and put a scare in some teams and even a, a memorable win or two in the event sometimes. But in the end, the bigger guys always win. <laughs> Good analogy there. Um, I, I should say about uh, this, uh, the fact that they they. Caught, New Jersey caught Nevada in the amount of time that, that it did. Uh, there's no doubt that the pandemic accelerated this. Mm -hmm. um, even though there weren't many sports to bet on last April, May, June, whatever betting you could do had to be done online. And that's New Jersey's bread and butter. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, visitation in Las Vegas really didn't start to bounce all the way back until March Madness this year. So Nevada sports betting numbers were very much suppressed in a world where COVID never comes to America. I would guess it would have taken, I don't know, another six to 12 months for New Jersey to, to pass Nevada. Um, but uh, it's interesting that even in Nevada, where uh, in-person betting is very much still a thing, 
almost 66% of the sports betting revenue in April came from mobile bets. Um, I found that interesting. It, it'll never hit 90% like it does in New Jersey, yeah. but, it, but it is creeping upward even in Nevada. Uh, and uh, last thing is I want to give a quick shout out to Chris Altruda for crunching these numbers. And yeah. I believe being the first to uncover this fact about New Jersey passing Nevada. Um, some people on Twitter, uh, you know who you are, shared the information without crediting Chris. Uh, we want to make sure to credit Chris, who has become the king of sweating the monthly state-by-state numbers. Chris, the king of sweat. I think he'll put that in his hand on that. <laughs> yes, just don't uh, don't check his shirt for pit stains. Uh, <laughs> on that note, let's move along to our second story, yeah. uh, where we go all the way west to California. Anytime there's news regarding California legalizing sports betting, it's a big deal. Even if the news itself isn't terribly consequential, which might be the case here, uh, last Thursday, the California Secretary of State announced that a ballot measure to amend the state's constitution to allow for sports betting will appear in the next statewide general election in November 2022, which means that it won't appear if there's a gubernatorial recall election this year. And this ballot question will not, at least based on what it currently says, address mobile sports betting. It will be for brick and mortar betting only on tribal lands. So it steers clear of the problems we've detailed with the Florida compact, but it still leaves a lot of people unhappy, including the non-tribal card rooms and of course, bettors who want the convenience of online betting. That said, Sports Handle's Matt Rybaltowski reported that if the measure does pass, California may consider a plan to revisit mobile sports betting later once the sports books have gained public trust. In Matt's article, he asked the question, will mobile betting be legalized in California before 2025? So what do you think the answer is there, John? And is this a positive step if we're looking at it in terms of the long game in California? Oh, absolutely a positive step for sure. I never expected California to be among the first. Oh, 25 or so states to legalize sports betting. And guess what? They weren't. Um, but look at North Carolina, where they started just in March with a brick and mortar casino uh, sports betting mm-hmm. at two tribal locations, hundreds of miles away from where most Tar Heels live. Uh, and now a month later in April, legislators introduced a bill to allow for mobile sports betting across the state with the, the state lottery in charge of that. Uh, also, remember, California has something like 60 tribal casinos from the top of the state to the bottom. Uh, I've even been to one in Palm Springs, and I'm still like, 20 years shy of the uh, average age out there. So uh, I got a, I got a quick jump on that. Um, but, you know, you'd be launching sports betting uh, that has dozens of casinos where lots of people live across the state. You know, consumer awareness will be pretty high pretty quickly. And I could see brick and mortar in 2023. And then with the referendum passing, then mobile, yeah, around 2025. I mean, those Californians sometimes move and even talk a little slowly, I've noticed. Yeah, it's interesting uh, that I think the North Carolina comparison uh, is a good one in in terms of uh, how one can follow the other. Um, I would think everyone in California will be watching New York, uh, which will have mobile betting, uh, Mm. but not the most wide open market possible, uh, as well as watching Florida, which probably won't have mobile betting at first. Uh, We expect it to be retail only, uh, though we're not quite sure how that's all going to shake down. Um, California, by moving at this deliberate pace, They'll presumably see what's working and what isn't in those other big states and assess and possibly adjust, although maybe not. Some of these states just operate in their own little worlds with blinders on. So one thing uh, I I would think is a fairly safe assumption is that 
if any form of sports betting appears as a ballot question in 2022, it will pass. Uh, we've seen them pass in nearly every state where it's been on the ballot. So it's hard to imagine Californians not okaying it. Uh, I'll, I'll point out a couple of uh, interesting additional details of the bill being considered. Uh, no in-state college betting, uh, a topic we'll be discussing more in a moment as it pertains to another state. Uh, but this bill also uh, will permit craps and roulette at tribal casinos. I assume that is what in this legislation matters most to those casinos, matters more than, than opening up a sports book, probably. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's where the money is. I mean, sports, book, sports betting is a nice uh, amenity, but uh, if it's just on the brick and mortar side, it's a little extra where you make a couple of dollars and you, uh, you really make the money on the table games and you make even more money on the slots. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I, I sure hope California gets this right whenever it happens. Um, you know, it's it's bad enough if, if Florida screws up sports betting for its citizens and we'll see to what extent we end up feeling like they, they might screw it up. Um, California, 39 and a half million people, 15 pro sports franchises in the main four leagues. It is really important for the industry that whenever mobile betting comes, it's done right with more than just one or two sports books. I'm hopeful that they will have a, a fairly wide open situation whenever it does come. Yeah, I mean, I remember last year a, a Minnesota lawmaker had said, listen, we're not going to rush into this. We want to see what works in other states and then make sure we take like the best practices of those. And that's not, to me, a terrible idea, you know, on, on any issue, really, necessarily. Um, now, am I convinced that California, like, as you say, is going to exactly see what other states do, what works, what's, what's best, and then, you know, kind of get it right from the get-go? I think that would be tremendous. Um, I'm not completely sold that'll happen but that's what right. should happen right all right well uh speaking of states not necessarily getting it entirely right when it comes to sports betting let's move along to our third and final story this week and we'll move away from the coasts we'll move inland to illinois where two of the lamest regulations in sports betting are close to being uh -huh. combined into one absolutely ludicrous regulation um we've talked in the past about illinois and other states uh, not allowing betting on in-state college teams uh we've also talked about the states back and forth on forcing bettors to open their accounts in person the latest amendment passed through the house opens the door for betting on illinois college teams however it only allows it at retail books so in person, you can bet on an Illinois versus Loyola March Madness game, but via mobile, you can't. Uh, also, the amendment allows only pregame bets, uh, no in-game bets, uh, and no prop bets either for these college games. Uh, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying that Illinois will continue to lose dollars to other states and to offshore books with this plan. What do you think, John? Do we have a new all-time leader for stupidest sports betting rule? Well, you know, I got to say this for New Jersey first. Uh, I got a lot of queries, including from colleagues, on the biggest quirk in New Jersey, which for now, anyway, is no wagering on games involving in-state schools like Rutgers or Seton Hall. You know, but the answer to that, per the original bill sponsor, uh, ex-state Senator Ray Lesniak, is that Lesniak had said that his laser focus was on getting a sports betting law passed in New Jersey as a way to sucker the NFL and their allies into suing the state because he said he knew he'd win the case. And six years later, he did. You know, So waffling lawmakers in Trenton who winced the college angle were appeased because New Jersey basically took one for the team. Right. You know, So that made sense in its own way. It's not the greatest idea, but the uh, I think the strategy was brilliant. This one, you know, who says you can't get a little bit pregnant? I mean, <laughs> as always, <laughs> I have no particular quarrel with opponents of legal sports betting as long as they're consistent about it. 
uh, this is anything but, obviously, you know. To paraphrase the great George Carlin, think of the average stupid betting rule and then realize that half of them are stupider than that. And this clearly is one of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm almost speechless about this. I don't have a whole lot to say. It, it's so silly. You're you're catering to one powerful brick and mortar casino that wants customers in the door. I assume that's what's happening here. But you're cutting off not just your nose to spite your face, but your ears and eyes and chin and cheeks, too. Um, as we've said, there's a hint of logic to not allowing player props on college agreed, games. Agreed, um, yes. So, yeah, fine. Go with that. Um the rest of this, it's just stupid. Like, can you imagine? Um, hey, you can bet on the Cubs, but bets on the first five innings can only be done in person. And if you want to bet on a player to hit a home run, you have to do it while eating a hot dog or we won't accept the bet. Um, it's almost like that sort of granular uh, rulemaking here. Uh, either a specific kind of bet is legal in your state or it isn't. So get it together, Illinois. Yeah, and plus you can bet on the Cubs at the Cubs game, by the way, Wrigley Field. Coming coming up soon to a a kiosk near you. Yeah. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. We mentioned a couple of months ago that the U.S. Bets Network of Sites had just launched a new podcast, the Sports Handle podcast, Get a Grip. And we are pleased to be joined now by one of the co-hosts of that podcast. He worked for many years behind the counter as a bookmaker in Las Vegas. He now analyzes the industry as a radio and podcast host. You can hear his voice on Sirius XM, on his podcast, Cash Considerations, and the aforementioned Get a Grip. You may know him as the Sportsbook Consigliere. He is Dave Sharapan. Dave, welcome to gamble on eric what's up man uh great to be here uh john as well thanks for having me yeah man it's crazy i got out of the books and and you know now i'm a media person radio tv podcasting all kinds of stuff so when you uh, reached out i said yeah man let's go let's 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 talk some sports betting stuff all right, excellent. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a full career that you've uh, that you've put together so far, and uh, let's let, let's start with the newest addition to your resume. Get a grip. Um, after the first few weeks co-hosting with our friend Brett Smiley, some moves were made. You're now co-hosting with another good friend of ours, Dan Bach. You and Dan had instant chemistry. The pod really didn't skip a beat. Are you one of those people who can pretty much have a casual conversation with anyone, uh, or, or is there something about Dan in particular that you find you click with? Oh boy, Dan's going to listen to this and he's going to think that he's special, but no, this is one of those things that I've been talking to people, strangers at the counter in sports books in Vegas forever. But this goes back to being a little kid in Pittsburgh. Like I was that kid. I, I, I was, I was the hub of the wheel and everyone talked to me and it's just been that way all the way through, you know, high school, college at Penn state, all the way up. Um, so I, I love people and I love, I love listening. I don't know. So I, I have a conversation with people mostly by listening and then, you know, taking mental notes. I I'm getting older now. So I scribble a lot of notes. They're all over the place, but I remember stuff and then follow up with people. So I don't know. I don't, you know, I'm learning this social media thing, but I, I, I just do it old school. And, and Dan is great. Like the get a grip podcast. We, didn't we didn't know each other until the episode the first one we recorded mm-hmm. and then we recorded it and he texted me and i texted him i said you good yep you good yep 
we're doing that again. And that was it. <laughs> it was that simple. So, and you know, we've been rolling with it since. So it, it's another fun thing that I do. Um, but it's different because it's, there's no picks. We're not talking about specific games. We're talking about the business right. and, you know, different impact things. So it's, it's been a blast. Yeah. I was curious about that in particular. How are you finding doing a podcast talking about the industry? Do, do you like that as, as a change of pace from talking a lot about games and bets and things like that? Oh man, I, I love it. I don't like it because I've been in books like talking about games and first half numbers and making lines and what do you move this future to for over 20 years? I mean, that's all I talked about. It was all time consuming and it was this. So then kind of getting into media, like that's what a lot of people are doing and that's fine. And there are other shows that I do that with, you know, every day I'm on this in-game live show, we're watching the lines move or watching the games and they're asking me what I think, what a line's going to move to. That's fine. But you get a guy like Dan, who's, you know, I mean, he's a radio pro. He did it before all of this. You ask him a question and wind him up. He spins, turns, does his thing, and then throws it back to me. And we're like dancing, like dirty dancing. I mean, we're, we're, we're going, but, you know, all the steps are there and it just rolls. So it's, it's so much fun to talk about that stuff. And it's like I got – put in this position to do so because you know being in the books for as long as i have been it's, it's just kind of i've been talking about this stuff for 25 years now i got a microphone or a camera to tell it to or you know it, it's it's a fun so so if you're dirty dancing who's who's patrick swayze lifting the other in the air and who who's the jennifer gray going up in the air in that oh, uh, in please. that situation he, he's jennifer gray there's no okay. question i just <laughs> nobody puts back Bach in the corner like there's no way i mean no, nobody does that so i'm happy to just lift him up and let him go you know and he makes me look good well i'm i'm fine with the whole arrangement all right <laughs> yeah, uh, Dave, I got to ask you, you know, as a, a sports writer most of my life and also uh, a traveling NBA beat writer in the 90s, I would find that I was almost reluctant to let people know what I do because I'd hear from, you know, the stockbroker, the lawyer, oh. the doctor, you know, yeah, I like my life, but oh, I, I, that's the job I really want. That, that's the one to be great. And I'd have to tell them, you know, remember, you don't get the summer house anymore. You don't get the trophy <laughs> wife or the mistress or whatever. You don't get the boat. You don't get the trips to Europe for three weeks a year. You got to give up a lot to do it. So you got to think about it. It. But uh, there aren't that many other jobs that I can think of that, you know, that I would say, oh, what, how do you do that? What is that like? And I think bookmaker is one of them, frankly. Uh, you know, I think listeners would be curious, uh, is there some sort of a bookmaker vocational school or how do you become one in the first place? And then, uh, you know, what is it really like? Is it is it uh, as much work as I try and convince people traveling around the country covering NBA games was? And I usually wasn't successful at it. <laughs> In convincing them about this. <laughs> you got it. You got it nailed exactly, John. That's exactly. I mean, I've been, I was lucky enough to get kind of a, a, a tap on the shoulder. A guy knew a guy who knew a guy who needed a guy. And I was the guy in Pittsburgh. I mean, that's how this, this worked. And I went to Curacao to go help run an offshore sports book back in 1997. This was in its infancy. And I'm a college graduate, broadcast journalism degree from Penn State. So I'm doing the media hustle. I'm covering games. I'm covering news conferences. I'm, I'm getting, you know, clips and highlights. I'm selling women's shoes and I'm refereeing hockey games all at the same time <laughs> in Pittsburgh. You know, because like you said, you got to give up a lot to get these jobs. So I didn't know that. They don't tell you that in college. And a guy says to me, you know, you want to go to Curacao. I'd grown up in Pittsburgh. I hated winter. 
I had been, you know, on vacations, but I always wanted to live where there were palm trees. So I picked up and left. Um, I had made bets. I was the little kid in class who ran all the pools. I did the fantasy leagues buy newspaper every Sunday when the baseball stats came out. We only did the stats once a week because that's all you could get them. And then, you know, I was the guy who knew someone who can you have your kid hand out the tip sheets, the you know, the parlays where, you know, you had to do a four game parlay. You got paid five to one and ties loose. So the odds weren't good, but those were the things that were going on. So I was around it my whole life. But then you go and go work in Curacao. I got a Ph.D. in the business. I was down there with some people that were, I mean, they were booking games every day out of their pocket. I learned so much. And I came back to the United States after 20 months working every day. There's sports every day. I was no, there was no vacation plan where I went. It was you show up and you work. And then when we take off was the day before and day after the MLB all-star break. That was it. There was no days off. So, I come back and I get back into what I call square jobs, you know, in the, in the real world again. And it's like, man, what am I doing? Like, how am I going to do this? I, I don't know. And I moved to Arizona after I flew back to Pittsburgh and it was freezing. And I was like, I can't stay. I got to go. Moved to Arizona. I'm a uh, golf course sales and marketing director. All doing all this cool stuff. And I meet my wife, who's originally from Pittsburgh. We knew each other when we were kids. Mm. And she says, we're moving to Vegas. My mom and dad live there after we have our first kid. And I show up in Vegas as a stay-at-home dad. I'm playing hockey twice a week and doing nothing. And one of the guys works at the Golden Nugget says, why don't you come talk to the sportsbook director? He'll hire you in a heartbeat. I go down. It's Chris Andrews, another Pittsburgh guy. <laughs> we talk for five minutes. He says, all right, I'm going to put your paperwork through. You're hired. Can you start on Saturday? It was Thursday. Wow. And he was like, yep. Boom. So I'm in and now I'm in the book for 17 years. And, and what is the life like? Yeah, John, it's, it's exactly that. People think all we do is sit behind a counter and watch sports. We, <laughs> we, we, we take bets. We watch horse racing, horse racing's on all the time. So, you know, you got to, everyone thinks you're an expert because you sit there and see all the bets. So I don't even know why I would be working because I, I know what everyone else is betting. So I should be able to, to win all the time. You got it nailed. Like it's 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 a cush job. And meanwhile, it's anything but that. It's it's a lot of stress. Um, it's a lot of work. You you gotta know numbers. Um, you gotta know people though, too. Like I was always I didn't like the risk room as much. I love the job, but when you're buried in an office with no walls or no windows and you're staring at multiple screens, and that's all you're doing guy like me is losing my mind. I was like, oh, man, well, I got to get out. I got to go talk to somebody who's betting this. If I heard somebody was at one of our properties, I'd be like, hey, guys, I'm going to go out for lunch. And I'd go to the Cosmo and I'd go to the Venetian because I worked at all of those books as the as one of the people out front, whether writing tickets or helping being a supervisor and all that. I love that part of it. When you put me in a risk room and I'm like, yeah, so I would go see people and talk and you learn so much more about the business, about you know why someone's betting something. Somebody shows up at the counter with a bag of a hundred thousand when they want to bet it on a football game. You're like, why? Well, they just want it over in the pit. That's why <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to them. So, oh, okay. So, but another guy comes in and wants to bet 50,000 on a football game. Turns out he was a ticket broker from Philadelphia who had tickets to the next game. 
And if there was no next game, he was going to lose more than that. So all he wanted to do was hedge his bet. And I'm like, oh, he ain't, he don't know nothing either. I used to say that all the time. Nobody knows nothing. I use a different word. I don't know if you want me to swear, but like I, I say nobody knows it all the right. time. They don't. So that was the deal. And, and, and it's been a fun run. And now I'm in the media end of it with all of those stories and that background. So it's, it's been a blast. Yeah, I have to tell you, um, I, I noticed one comment you made. Uh, in my Catholic grammar school uh, uh, bathrooms, when the sheets got passed around, uh, we got 10 to 1 for four winners. So uh, just outside Whoa. of New York City. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's uh, not great either, but it's reasonable. Compared no, that's to, at uh, least you, you fair. Got, that was rooked, fair, yeah. yeah. They, they, everything started in New York, John. It all started. Yeah. Everything came from New York. It kind of still does, to be perfectly honest. But, yeah, it got a little worse as it got, you know, things went west. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, speaking of uh, nobody knows nothing, uh, I, I want to get your take on, on on a bet that I made. Uh, you're you're a Ooh. Pittsburgh guy, a, a Pirates fan. Um, so I have to get your take on on my Pirates bet before the season. I bet them uh, both in real life and using our shared gamble on podcast bankroll that John and I have. Uh, I bet them to finish under 60 and a half wins. And I know it was 58 and a half at some books, but I got a, a nice inflated line at Fox bet. Um, however, when I made the bet using this money that John and I share, John groaned a little bit, expressed a little <laughs> displeasure. He liked the other side. And, and so far, it's a toss up. As of this interview, they're on Ooh. pace for exactly 60 wins. 60 so, wins. Right. Absolutely. Good number. So, so what is your expectation from here on out? Do you think they're going over or under 60 and a half? Man, I, I, I liked over 58 and a half. I went on all the shows because people I, I advertise the fact that I'm from Pittsburgh because I was born and raised there and I love it. So Pirates were my first like I, I played hockey my whole life, but I also played baseball. And the 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates have a soft spot in my heart. The We Are Family team, it, it, it was amazing. And so I want the Pirates to do well. And actually now my fraternity brother from Penn State is the CEO of the Pirates. Mm. He, Travis Williams <laughs> is my friend. We text all the time. And I try not to bury him like, Trav, what are we doing with the pitching? <laughs> like, seriously, what are you doing? Because they're trying, they have a plan. He told me they have a plan. They're taking Houston's plan from a couple years ago, and they're, they're they have a plan. So I trust him because him and I know each other very well. Right now, Eric, I think I'm on your side. I think okay. I, 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 they, the Cubs are better in the division than than we thought they were going to be. That may come backwards. The Cardinals are good. And the Brewers, I think, are playing a little bit below expectations right now. The Pirates still have a lot of division games left against those teams, and they're all going to be fighting for something while the Pirates are going to be playing out the string. I think it's going to be a big sweat, but I liked over 58.5. I think I like under 60.5. I'm going for the middle, 59. <laughs> That's yeah. what I hope happens, right? There. <laughs> yeah, we could we could hit that middle. Um, I'm curious: uh, is there ever any temptation to to shift allegiances uh, to a, a less hopeless franchise? I've gone through it with some of my Philly teams, like you're, where they're just really bad for a long time. I'm never tempted uh, to, you know, I, I may lose interest in the sport a little bit temporarily. Yeah. Uh, but ha have you ever thought about picking a new baseball team, or never crossed your mind? I like different baseball. I love the sport. I mean, mm. I coach my kids in fast pitch softball and I'm still on the field two or three times a week, 
hitting infield, outfield, I pitch BP, all the stuff. So I love the sport. So I love good baseball. But when you're in the book for as long as I am, there's no allegiance to anybody. Like there's, I just want to see a good like story. And mm-hmm. in the book, I always wanted series in the playoffs to go seven games just to get more action. Like the, you know, we always needed another game because the handle on playoffs is just so much bigger per game. And it's so much fun to book. So I'll never lose the Pittsburgh thing. There's okay. no way I mean, I'm a pirate <laughs> guy always, but like, you know, I appreciate what the Yankees do. It drives me crazy, but I, my wife and Derek Jeter have a very special relationship <laughs> and it's fine. If he ever calls, I understand she, we're, we're clear that, with the whole, that's thing. her hall pass. That's her hall pass. Okay. But listen, it's mine too. Like I I'm good with it. Like Derek Jeter and I, we're good too. So whatever okay. works, but, but, but Jeter and the Yankees, like that's a fun team, you know, was then. So like, I can appreciate that. The kids are all West coast kids now born and raised. three daughters born and raised in, in Vegas. They're huge fans of the Padres. They're huge fans of the guys on the Dodgers. You know, we watch all the games together and stuff. So as long as it's good baseball, I don't care. And, you know, if I still got to play on somebody, I'm rooting for that team every day. So right. that, that works too. <laughs> yeah, you know, Eric, uh, uh, some of us are old enough to remember the last time the Pirates won a postseason series, which was in 1979. <laughs> so oh, it's only that was a World Series, ago. John. They won the, they won the uh, Divisional Series in 1991-92. They lost them NLCS. Oh, okay. Don't that. okay. Right, all right. <laughs> and we, 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 won't talk, we won't talk about Sid Bream. We won't talk about that. Dude, yeah. <laughs> see, I was trying to get through the whole podcast without mentioning Yeah, that was, oh, that was unintentional uh, cruelty on my part. But, uh, <laughs> well, I got one last ever. thing for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about um, – Seeing the rollout of these different states in the last three years, about half of them now have legalized and um, you got they're kind of all over the map. And uh, I wonder if you have a pet peeve about any of the sort of bizarre issues. Some states have no uh, you can't do in-game wagering. Uh, Some states you can't bet on the college uh, within that state. Um, Illinois is still kind of trying to hold on to the idea you have to sign up in person. (laughs) At a, at a casino for uh, now they're talking about you can only bet on college games we're going to change it to let you do it but you, that you got to do at a casino also so i'm wondering if any of these uh, uh kind of drive you nuts and also do you think the pace overall and the, uh, are you impressed at all with you know how many people can at least legally gamble now and, and within three years i'm amazed john at what has happened since past my past because as it was being talked about being in nevada for as long as i have been we, all we thought was, wow, this is going to be great. We're going to have opportunity. Odds makers and people that have been in books like myself are going to have, well, pick a state where you want to go. Hmm. I took a job to go be the director at Wheeling Island Casino in Wheeling. I was going to return home 45 minutes from the house I grew up in. I'm going. I take the job. I don't move my wife and daughters. I last seven weeks and come back because hmm. it was such a disaster. And now – I'm very aware because I had to learn about different things, um, you know, reading the different uh, legislation and things like that. The in-person stuff is insane to me. I, I I don't get it. But I mean, the the not wagering on college sports, I saw it here in Nevada. When I moved here, we couldn't mm-hmm. do UNLV and UNR games. And it yeah. didn't make any sense to me. I was like, why would they even say that? Well, that's how they got it in so they could take college. And then, you know, that got waived. But I, the biggest pet peeve, I guess, for me is 
I don't understand why it was so bad. Gambling, sports gambling in particular, for the leagues. Like the leagues would not. We couldn't put Super Bowl on the sheets. Right. Like it was, it, you couldn't say it in commercials and advertising. They'd come and find you. And now they've turned a complete 180. Forget about it. They make deals with everybody. Tried that integrity fee thing that was a complete joke and like that was a non factor. But now they want to control the data. And they want to shake everybody down for data fees. And it just, it, that one to me, it's not helping the business. You want to be a partner, be a partner. If you want to be a vendor, be a vendor. But that right there, that thing to me is the, is the one that drives me crazy because it's going to prevent the small guy from being available to make it. And all, all that means is that there's two or three maybe that are going to, survive and make it because they can pay the fees because they have this endless amount of money. So all that other stuff, there's a lot of things that they're doing wrong, but that one is the one that kind of sticks with me where I could, if I could just sit in a room, you know, with silver or, 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 you know, I I don't know if Manfred would sit in a room with me, but I I say, listen, Rob, like you're putting books in Wrigley. You put a book in Wrigley field. There's going to be a book in chase field. You don't got to charge nobody for the fees for the data. Like just, <laughs> yeah. just open the windows, like and be good with that. So it just seems like a greed move and a little bit extra that drives me crazy. That's it. Yeah, that reminds me. You know, the Meadowlands Racetrack opened in 1976. There were about 50,000 people that wanted to get their opening night. It was such a big deal. You know, this is before casinos outside of Nevada or, or practically any kind of gambling. Lottery was new to a lot of states, so the chance to gamble like that was a big deal. So they got about 20, 25,000 people in there, charging a dollar a head. Right, the lines were so enormous that people started knocking down a temporary fencing and first security is trying. And then they realized, well, why are we trying to stop these people? To, to your point, like, wait a minute, they want to come in here and spend money. And most of them are going to lose money. Why are we going to make them wait on a line for the privilege of, of us getting to take their money? So they said, the heck with it. Come on in and go for it. Yeah. doesn't make any sense, man. And, and, and there's, there's other things that don't make sense. Like the in-person wagering. It's only good. At, you can wager on college sports, but only in person. Listen, <laughs> people stop. The mobile is everything. I'm 50. Yeah. I know this. I have kids. They live. Everything is on mobile now. People still go to the bank, but everything's on mobile. You know, you still have to have brick and mortar. Yes. But accept the fact that mobile is what it is. You know, just be careful. You open up a lot of things when you allow it, make it so easy. That's the other thing that I think the industry needs to maybe do a better job of. It's in everybody's face. It's our vacuum. I mean, we live it. But, you know, I live in a house with, with all women and they could care less. I mean, they're into it because I'm into it, but like, they don't want to know what the line is and they're annoyed if it flashes in front of them. If they ask, it's okay. So I think the industry has to also be careful of that too, about getting too much advertising in people's face. And speaking of uh, you living in a house with all women, I believe congratulations are, are in order. I saw some social media posts today. We have a new, is it a high school graduate in, in the household? We do. My oldest, <laughs> I can't believe it, high school graduate today. We went down to commencement ceremony. Was at the MGM Grand? I mean, like, how do you even explain that to people? This is our lives. <laughs> this, where, where's the commencement? Oh, it's not at the MGM. Oh, you mean where I saw Billy Joel and where I saw, you know, many Mayweather fights and Oscar De La Hoya, Gotti and all these things yeah i'm gonna go watch the kid graduate walk out like you know like i'm at a ufc fight they drop the music down <laughs> it was incredible and it was 
you know, and then afterward, I'm like, all right, where do you want to take a couple pictures? And you got the whole Vegas strip. So we mm-hmm. stopped here, took a picture, stopped here, took a picture. What an afternoon. And, and, and like being a dad is my favorite thing in life, like between being a coach and being a dad. So I got to be, you know, and share that with, with her after having a stroke eight months ago and, you know, almost dying literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, it, it's all so incredible that everything just is different. It smells different, sounds different. And, you know, it's true when you get that close. I mean, the doc said you're eight hours from dead, or maybe mm. I said that, but that was that close. So, and now I can't shut up and I'm just enjoying every day. And today was a very special day. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah. Well, we're thrilled you came through that, uh, that health episode Ooh. and uh, thrilled you could join us here on the podcast. It's been great talking to you, Dave. Uh, I'll note for our listeners, you can find uh, get a grip at all the same podcast places you can find gamble on give it a listen if you haven't already and you can find dave on twitter at sports bk consig thanks again dave great talking to you hey thanks for having me and uh we'll be talking soon two men ten thousand dollars will they run it up or blow it all it's time to check in on the gamble on bankroll We had ourselves a very up-and-down week with the bankroll bets, but in the end, we booked a small win, which we'll gladly take. Uh, First off, one big futures bet is voided. The Tyson Fury-Anthony Joshua fight that I bet $174 on is not happening. Uh, I actually could have updated that last week, but forgot to. Uh, But So that money goes back into the bankroll. Uh, Another's futures bet lost, uh, but it was a mere $20 that you bet, John, on the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, They choked, and we suffered some bad injury luck there as well. And uh, hey, uh, injuries are playing a huge role in the NBA playoffs. Uh, they helped us lose my $100 bet on the Mavericks to win game three as Luka Doncic got banged up early in the game and wasn't himself for the rest of that game or the next one. Uh, your $50 bet on the Knicks to win their series with the Hawks when it was tied 1-1, you jinxed it for our friend Smiley. <laughs> they didn't win another game. <laughs> so that's a lot of bad results. But now on to the mostly good results. Uh, John made three golf bets and won two of them. Gary Woodland, top 20, won us $100, and Charlie Hoffman, top 20, won us $53, while Sergio Garcia, top 10, cost us 20 bucks. And I made three boxing bets and won two of them. Nonito Denaire, the upset win, got us $100. Uh, Subriel Matias, his victory, won us $55. Uh, but Devin Haney, to win by knockout, was a loser as that fight went the distance, so that cost us $94. Add it all up, and we won $24 on the week. So we're now down by $1,156, and we have $1,619 on hold in futures bets, leaving us with $7,225 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, uh, and I'm going to place an NBA playoffs bet. Uh, but first, uh, a note that we have a big sweat tonight. We have $50 at plus 200 on the Blazers Nuggets series to go seven games. Uh, game six is tonight. We need Portland to win at home. They're between minus 200 and minus 210 to do so. Um, plus, we actually have a small preseason bet on Portland at 50 to 1 to win the title that you may have forgotten about. <laughs> uh, that's, that's almost certainly not happening. But still, we're rooting hard for Portland tonight. Uh, so far, this series has played out exactly as I hoped when I bet it to go seven games. So fingers crossed on that. Um, so on to the new bet. Big series about to start between the Nets and Bucks uh, with Joel Embiid hurting and the Lakers and Clippers both on the brink. A lot of people think this series determines who wins the championship. And having watched these two teams a fair amount lately, 
I would make the Nets very slight favorites, but it's close to a toss-up. I, I might make them like minus 125 or so. Instead, they're minus 200, and the Bucks are as high as plus 185 at points bet. I know Brooklyn has their big three, and they're a superior offensive team, certainly. But the Bucks are more well-rounded and the better defensive team. I think either team can win this, and I think there's value on the Bucks at plus 185. So let's bet $60 to win $111 on them as the underdog in this series. All right, yeah. Now, uh, Sergio, who you mentioned, uh, he had a share of the lead after one round, and I've got him at top 10. Uh, alone in third place entering the final round, looking good. Absolute collapse. It became my third consecutive top 10 only pick to finish, you guessed it, in the top 20. <laughs> so I'm finding the right golfers. Now I just need to make smarter wagers on them. Uh, I'm going to call a shot here. DraftKings had an excellent preview for Jack Nicholas's memorial event in Ohio this week, the very strong field, and it sold me on Tony Finau who has contended dozens of times but never won a top-tier event. Now that we've all given up on him for good, it's time. Mm. 20 on Tony to win at plus 2,500 on BetMGM. Uh, 50 on him, top 20 at minus 125. And let's toss 30 at old reliable Patrick Reed to go top 20 at plus 140. And there's no chop on that BetMGM bet. So an eight-way tie for 19th place is a full winner. Nice. Mm. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to make uh, two boxing bets this week, one small and one large, very large, large enough to make you nervous, John. Uh, first, first, the small one. I just spotted this Thursday morning before we started recording. There's a heavyweight fight in the UK this Saturday, Daniel Dubois versus Bogdan Dinu. The over under on rounds is three and a half and we can get even money plus 100 on the under. Dubois coming back from his first loss. They are feeding him a softy. Dinu is not good at all. I think this is a two-round fight, maybe three. I'd be surprised if it gets past the halfway point of the fourth. So let's bet $50 to win $50 that it stays under. Now the big bet. Uh, you may recall when Floyd Mayweather fought Conor McGregor, every sharp in the world pounced on Floyd as a minus 500-ish favorite. The prices were skewed because of public betters not understanding that an MMA fighter had no chance against Mayweather in a boxing match. People still talk about it as the easiest win in modern sports betting history. I think there's something similar with the early lines on Errol Spence versus Manny Pacquiao. Uh, Pacquiao is 42 years old. He hasn't fought in two years. He did look good beating Keith Thurman in that last fight, but Thurman is no Spence and Pacquiao is now two years older. I was surprised he signed for this fight, which is essentially a coronation for Spence, a passing of the torch. It feels like a cash out for Manny, make the biggest check anyone will offer him before he retires. Spence opened around minus 500, but the Pacquiao fans have showed up and bet it down to minus 310. I'm not sure if it's going to keep dropping, but I'm pouncing now. There is crazy value at that price. Spence is about 90% certain to win this fight, maybe even more than that. Pacquiao isn't as outgunned as McGregor was, but it's not too far off in terms of the winner being a foregone conclusion for me. The fight isn't until August, so this will sit for a while in the futures bet category, but I'm going big by our bankroll bet standards just because of the price on this fight. I'm risking $310 to win 100 and uh, I, I know that makes you wince a little, John, mm. but... I really want to bet 3,100 to win a thousand. So consider this a compromise. All right. I'll, I'll settle for that. I'm glad it's not right away. Maybe this will be the one that puts us back into the black, uh, <laughs> whatever this damn fight happens. Uh, anyway, let's get to the U S women's open golf in San Francisco this week. Uh, I never, ever take a tourney favorite on the men's side, but I'm getting a 10% better number this week on DraftKings over bet MGM uh, numbers with favorite NB park at plus 1100. So let's go $30 there. 
And then I think Lydia Ko's comeback is real, I believe. And, and uh, she's cashed for us before. Lydia for 50 then at plus 125 for a top 10. Uh, finally, since I covered their father, Peter Corda, for many years at the U.S. Open tennis. And here's another U.S. Open, but it's golf. Give me 20 each on Jessica Corda, top 10 at plus 2200 on DraftKings. And Nellie Corda at top 10 at plus 1600 on BetMGM. All right. So in total, I guess you've got seven golf bets to sweat this week. Uh, all right. Uh, a lot of a lot of scores for you to be updating me on over the course of the weekend. Uh, exactly. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Dave Sharapan. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow U.S. Bets at U.S. underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling. And subscribe to this podcast on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please take us out. You know, I mentioned Senator Lesniak earlier in the show, and now here comes a mention for the other unanimous selection for the Mount Rushmore of U.S. sports betting, and that would be Monmouth Park operator Dennis Drazen. Uh, you know, a revolt is brewing by jockeys in, across the United States against increasing pressure to limit the use of riding crops or whips. Uh, and this past weekend, it, it's come up nowhere more so than that Jersey Shore racetrack. Now, legendary track jockey Jersey Joe Bravo refuses to ride at Mammoth Park, and he has some company, too. Uh, and for me, well, I just wish everyone would listen to Drazen again, as uh, happened with sports betting. You know, he was in tandem with the Jockeys Guild last year when the State Racing Commission talked of eliminating jockeys having riding crops at all. I mean, that was foolish because having, you know, while sometimes they go to the whip to try to coax a win, sometimes they do it out of frustration for the horse's performance. There's another key element, the safety of the jockey and the horses. In those critical moments, you have to give the jockey a tool to perhaps avert the disaster. Well, the racing commission relented a bit, and now the jockeys can have the riding crops. So now it's just a matter of when a jockey would be disciplined or not. So, you know, look, every good horseman knows that the days of a badly beaten horse in a race uh, winding up as, well, badly beaten, you know, should have ended a long time ago. And the jockeys have to accept this fact of life. You know, the line in the sand that had to be drawn was taking away the riding crops entirely. That has been solved. Drazen wants a compromise. Let jockeys ride their mounts. Let the commission review the actions. And, you know, after two months or so, have a dialogue about whether adjustments made are, are wholly sufficient, nearly so, or maybe we still have a long way to go. You know, if it's the latter, then Ocean Port, we have a problem. But we need not be at that stage yet. So, you know, if only the commission and the jockeys would do the most sensible thing and just listen to Drazen, who's the man caught in the middle of this tussle, we'd all be better off. So with that, until next time, gamble on.